First and foremost, I'd like to say that I claim absolutely no responsibility if you stay up past your bedtime to read my work. You got to own it. You got to own your addiction. That's the first step and you don't want to combat it cuz you don't want to quit me, right? No one wants to quit me. Um so just no. It's never my fault you stayed up all night. Just you bitches keep that in the clear. It's never my fault. Anyway, so nice question comes from Senna and no one would want to quit me. I know you don't, Jilly. No one does. God. Okay. So, Senna asked on Tumblr, I hate Tumblr, by the way, I hate it, I I really do. Um, uh, she asked, how long did it take you to develop your writing process? Um, that implies that I'm finished, and I don't think I am. I think that I, um, every time I come into a new project, I learn a little bit more about myself and about craft and about how I need to approach characters and topics and subjects. And I learn every single time. I think when I stop learning, I'm going to be really upset. So I I hope that never happens. I hope I'm never quite done finishing my process. Um, that being said, I don't think I had a process when I was young. I would just kind of fall into ideas and, and fall into characters and stories. And over time, I learned to figure out what I needed and how to meet those needs before our before I started writing. So I needed to know my characters. So I developed character profiles and I looked at other people's character profiles and said, I like this, this, and this, but I don't need to know that. I don't care about that. So I took apart character profiles that I saw in books and in magazines and online and I rearranged them to suit my own needs. One of the best ones I ever had was... Um, from a Dungeons and Dragons player, he had developed a character um, profile sheet to make characters for his gameplay in Dungeons and Dragons, and I borrowed it and made a copy of it, and it was an excellent um, guideline for me to use to create my own character, because he asked some really intense questions about your character's motivations and um, how they respond to different stimulus. It was a very interesting questionnaire that he had developed for himself when he was playing, you know, when he when he was role-playing. So I highly recommend that you look at role-playing um, questionnaires because they can give you, they, they can spark ideas and you can help develop your own questionnaire. But um, I don't think that, like I said, that I didn't have a process to begin with. And then later on when I started to take my writing seriously, I I kind of snagged parts of processes from other from from all kinds of sources because you know a lot of things won't work for you. They didn't work for me. This worked for me, and you know I have one story where every fucking chapter ends in a cliffhanger because I read somewhere that you should do that. You shouldn't do that. And if you read that piece of advice, you you tell that person to kiss your ass because that is the stupidest thing you can do to your reader. It is it is terrible. It is a terrible thing to do to your reader. Do not continuously leave your readers in the cliffhanger. They will hate your guts. I hated myself reading that book back to myself. It's never been published. It never will be published. I don't even know what to do with it. It's just, God, every time I look at it, I want to stab somebody, maybe even my past self. 
So I think as a writer, you want to grow, you want to change every single time that you um, step up to the plate with an idea and you explore it and you explore your characters. You just got to treat it like it's going to be a learning experience because it will and you will learn as much from your successes as you um as you do your failures. Um next question. What is one thing you would go back and tell your younger self in regards to your writing? This is actually a big one. I would go back and tell myself do not throw away your work. Don't permanently delete your work. Don't throw away your notebooks. When I was about 14, I'd written two books at that point, um, two full-length novels. So they were about 100K apiece. I, uh, I still have the novels. I don't have the, um, the plot notebooks that I plotted with. I don't have any of my craft left. I lost stories over the years because I got frustrated and I would toss notebooks aside and, and they would get lost. Or um, Just if I could tell myself one thing, it would be to take care of my writing because I didn't when I was younger and I regret it deeply. So if you're a young writer and you get frustrated with something, don't throw it away. Just Set it aside, put it in a box, keep a box, keep a file. Like I said before, you know, keep a file of things that make you unhappy. You don't you don't have to look at them, but don't throw them away. Because one day, you know, you, you're going to look back at it and you're going to want it. And then you won't have it. And so don't do that. And if I could tell myself one thing, it would be that for writing. Um, overall, it would be go to a fucking state school, you moron. Um, but that's a different conversation altogether. Um what is one piece of advice you would like to have or you feel any writer needs to know when they're developing their own process? Um, I wish somebody had told me that I don't have to shove, I didn't have to shove myself in the box I was being presented because I had all these writing books and I was getting the Writer's Digest magazine and I was, listening to um I was reading all this writing advice because the internet didn't really exist back then I'm I'm dating myself um and so I I had all these craft books that my mom would buy me at used bookstores or you know and she would just pick up something if it had writing on it she'd bring it home to me how to be a writer how to write a mystery how to write a romance how to write a sci-fi you named it if my mom saw it she brought it home because she was all about nurturing the writer in her house and she still is even now, if she's out somewhere and she sees a book um, on writing, she'll call me. Do you have this? It's by so-and-so. It's published in this year. Do you want it? Easily. The most charming thing she does. It is really adorable. And um, I have most of those books because she's already bought them for me. So uh, it's, it's great. Uh, I, But reading all those things, I'll try to force myself into somebody else's process as as much as I could, and it was very confining. So if I would give give any young writer advice on developing a process, it would be 
it's okay to look at other people's processes and take what you need out of their process and bring it into your own, but do not feel like you have to force yourself into their box. They built their box for themselves. It's like my process, and when I talk about it, that's my box. I don't expect any of you to get in it with me. It might get crowded, but you're welcome to. I mean, you're welcome to get in my box and look around, but I don't expect you to live in it, you know, and to be that, um, to be the writer you're meant to be in my box. You, you have to make your own, and in your box, you have to put the tools that make sense to you in your box and not the tools that I have in my box, because what I have in my box, you might not even need. And you might need things in your box that have never even been near my box, much less in it. So I hope that makes sense. You know, just your process has to be individual to you, and don't let anybody ever tell you differently. Um, There is no wrong way to write side story. Senna, in college, I had this girlfriend, as in just a friend who was female, uh, who uh, called her pussy a box. Yeah, and so, and always, she always called it her box, always, and now that whole conversation is ruined for me, (laughs) and it's your fault, Senna. Take the blame, or the credit, ever how you want to do it. Anyways, you don't have to use my box, you can use your own. Put the tools that make sense to you in your process, and don't get bogged down trying to use somebody else's process if it's not working for you. If it if it slows you down, if it makes you um, dread writing, then there's something about it that isn't working for you, and you need um, you need to develop your own process. And your own tools. Because that is the best way to be the writer that you're meant to be. <clears throat> I think, um, let's see, um, is there anything that you feel any writer needs to know when developing their own process? You have to know the rules before you can break the rules. So I highly recommend that you buy the elements of style. I'm not kidding. Buy the elements of style. Also, I highly recommend the Chicago Style Manual. It's expensive. If you can get it um, an earlier edition, say the 14th or the 15th edition in a used bookstore, do that. But it isn't all that much different than the one that's currently available. Like I, I think it's like 16 or 17. I have a 15th edition. Why do I recommend the Chicago Style Manual? Because I have never been published by a publisher who did not use it. Not once have I encountered a fiction publisher who did not base their house style guide on the Chicago Style Manual. Not a single one. If you're going to invest in yourself as a writer, buy the Chicago Style Manual and buy the Elements of Style. I highly recommend both. The Elements of Style is tiny. You can put it in your bag, in your computer bag, in your book bag, and just take it with you everywhere. The Chicago Style Manual is not tiny. You can't take it with you everywhere. 
Don't get the ebook. I agree. Um, Julie says in the, um, that she has a hard pound and the other a hard a hardbound and an ebook. That she hates the ebook. I hate the ebook too for the Chicago Style Manual. Get you a physical copy. Get the hardback. You can buy it in used bookstores. This is an investment in yourself as a writer that is so worth it. It really is. Just for the fact that the first time I got professional edits, if I hadn't already had the Chicago Style, Mod, Style Manual, I would have had to go buy it because they actually have a chart in it with the editing marks that my editor was using, and it looked like Vulcan. I, I had no idea what it was, and I, so I called my agent, and I'm like, dude, what is this in my in my book? She's written all over it, and there are these little weird little symbols, and she says, get your Chicago Style Manual out. I said, yes, ma'am. And then she told me to go to a page, and I went to a page. I said, oh, it's not hieroglyphics. And she laughed. She said, no, it's not. It's editing shorthand, and you need that. You absolutely need it. Do not the APA style manual. You need that in college for – but you don't need that for writing. It is, it is not – I have never, ever in the 20 years that I have um, basically – yeah, been in publishing as a writer, have I ever encountered a publisher that used the APA manual? Do not do it. It is not meant for fiction writing. Get the Chicago Style Manual. <clears throat> Lastly, what is the one fandom you want to write in but are intimidated by and why? I fucking love the Inception fandom. I love the movie. I love the stories. I love the writers. I, I'm so enamored with Inception, but and I have several works in progress that I feel like even if I finished, I, couldn't, I wouldn't put online because I feel really this is going to sound really weird, but I feel outclassed in the Inception fandom. They, the the writers in that fandom are very sophisticated, and I don't feel like I'm a fit for them. And that's just a personal thing. I just I I feel like I'm not a fit for that fandom, and it uh, it's really weird. It's it's disconcerting to be that way, and I don't know what to do with it. And so it it is what it is. Um, It's just there's there's just something about the Inception fandom that's like it's really fucking intimidating and I it, it it's cool it's sophisticated and why do they keep giving their stories titles in French it it makes me deeply um not uncomfortable because I love French I I love to hear somebody speak French so, but it, it it's very intimidating and I don't even know what to do with it I I really don't but I love the Inception fandom and I do have a, a, a work in progress and I think and and eventually I I will finish it and I probably will put it on my own site but I just don't feel like even if I do that I would be a legitimate part of the Inception fandom because hello I mean it's it's just there's just something about the Inception fandom that makes me, that I find very intimidating. I find it very intimidating. And I don't know what to do with it. So so, so, so there you go. It's Inception. Um, the only other fandom that I 
would never write in that I find um, very intimidating would be Babylon 5. I would never attempt to write in Babylon 5. It just it wouldn't even cross my mind. Um, no. I'm like, mm, no. So while I do have some projects in Inception, um, Babylon 5 is an absolute no-go. I mean, I'm just, I'm completely... I like to read Lord of the Rings. I don't know if I find it intimidating, but more confusing. And I have a hard time keeping the names separate. Um, and so... I'm just saying. Yeah, but I had to make a chart. I had to make a chart to write in The Hobbit. I'm not kidding. I have a chart with names. It's terrible. What's wrong with you, Tolkien? What is wrong with you? So, Lord of the Rings, I find very intimidating. But mostly because it's just there's just so much. There's so much canon with Lord of the Rings that it's hard to get your head around that. And I don't think you can actually violate canon until you know canon. You can't treat canon like your bitch if you don't know what the canon actually is. Dory, Nori, and Ori come to mind as well. Keely and Feely, Gnoin and Saruman and Sauron, Sourpuss. Um, it's just, it's just really, really fucking annoying. And so, and that's why I wouldn't write in Lord of the Rings. I do have some Hobbit projects, obviously. Um, but mostly it's just some kind of female empowerment, uh, act of protest. <clears throat> I like the Sentinel fandom. I have some Sentinel works, obviously. <clears throat> I finished um, the the one Sentinel um, book. Um, I don't know if I, I I got burned by the Sentinel fandom. It it makes it difficult to to work on those projects. And I've tried, and I, I even put one up on Evil Author Day so I could kind of entice myself to work on it. Um, I had read for about two years in the Sentinel fandom before I uh, watched the show, and but after I wrote my first book, um, <laughs> the way the Awakening. <coughs> the thing is, is the Sentinel fandom. I knew practically all the episodes just based on reading episode tags and episode summaries um, on the wiki and um, just I hadn't actually just watched the show I had read scripts I uh, I had read maybe I'd read the entire first season of scripts and most of the second but by the time I got into the Sentinel fandom it was impossible to find on TV it wasn't in syndication anymore it uh and of course, getting it on DVD is is close to what was close to impossible. And I don't believe in pirating, so I literally had no way of getting the Sentinel to watch it. So I resorted to watching, I mean, to reading uh, the scripts. And I eventually did watch the first season, and because I borrowed somebody's DVDs, maybe with the first season, um, I don't remember. That might have been it, the first season that I watched on DVD. And then I watched episodes on YouTube as well, you know. 
but I don't download pirated stuff off the internet. Um, it's bad for you. It's bad for your computer. Uh, it's bad karma. <laughs> so I just don't do that. But yes, yeah, so the, the Sentinel. I think that I probably knew the canon of the Sentinel better than people who'd actually watched the show. It's like Harry Potter fans and, and Harry Potter writers. If you average Harry Potter fan who's not in fandom up against a Harry Potter um, fan fiction writer, the fan fiction writer is going to know 10,000 things more about the canon of Harry Potter than someone who just watched the movies or someone who just read the books once when they were young. It isn't quite the same thing as... Um, just watching a show once and then moving on and because you know fandom exposes you over and over and over again to concepts and episodes and characters that in canon you get a glimpse of and you move on so you end up learning a lot more about the fandom I mean the the show in fandom than if you just watch the show so I highly uh, recommend that if you're going to write in a fandom you need to read read deep in a fandom just just glut yourself on it yeah and then that yeah that's also the problem too is that um for the longest time I uh really thought Naomi was a real bitch I had no idea Naomi wasn't a real super bitch but just like kind of a really absent-minded hippie mom I had no idea she I, I bought into that whole fandom that Naomi is evil in the Sentinel. I had no idea she was just batshit. She's just a total dip. You're right, Julie. That's exactly what she is. So sometimes and then you know, if you don't um eventually expose yourself to canon like I did by reading the scripts and then eventually watching the first season of the Sentinel, um you do get uh kind of tainted on the canon. So, you know. And sometimes fanon is so much more interesting than canon that you don't want to finish it. I, I have no interest whatsoever in the second and third seasons of The Sentinel because it doesn't match my my head. I, I don't know. <laughs> I just don't want to go there. <laughs> I just really don't. So, yeah, sometimes um, fandom, like, you know, I had that one reader who who had um, gotten Stargate Atlantis for Christmas or something. She got in the box set, and uh, she watched the first season, and she emailed me and asked me when Matt was going to appear on the show. <clears throat> and I had to tell her that Matt was an OC. He was my character, and he didn't actually exist in the show. She told me she wasn't going to finish the series. And I told her, okay, I said, okay, I'm not going to ask you to finish the series, but I do think you need to watch these episodes. And I gave her a list of episodes that I thought she should watch. So I hope she watched at least those episodes. But she was really super disappointed that Jensen Ackles <laughs> wasn't in Stargate Atlantis. And so she... <laughs> She wasn't going to watch any more of it. And I was like, wow. You know. <coughs> so, yeah. Sometimes sometimes Fanon can um, make the canon really super unappealing. 
I did tell her she needed to watch The Shrine. I I think it's an excellent episode. Um, I also told her to watch um, uh, Under Pressure and um, Trinity and uh, I forget. I had a whole list of them I thought she should watch, and and the. The Shrine was among them. I The Storm in the Eye, yeah. She'd watched The Storm because it was this season's finale of the first season. Um, but uh, I, even though, even though The Shrine is um, really difficult to watch, and I don't watch the last four minutes um, ever, just at one time, and I was, uh uh-huh. Oh, yeah, okay. Anyways. I uh, well, she watched the whole first season, so she um so she did see the storm in the eye. The shrine is David Hewlett's best work on Stargate. It is his best work. That is the best performance he gives throughout the series. And so I think if you're going to be um, a Stargate fan, then you need to watch that. You just need to watch it because it's fucking awesome. The shrine. Under Pressure is awesome, too. It's it's a great... But The Shrine's a... That blew my mind. I was like, what? What are you doing? Was, oh, it was so good. Like, Stop being so mean to me, David. Oh, God, it's so terrible. What's wrong? What's wrong? So, yeah. Yeah, I think that um, it's weird. Uh, I know that it's terrible and weird that I wrote a book without before I ever watched the Sentinel series, and um, <clears throat> it pisses people off. And I don't care. I don't care. I I don't care. I'm trying to care. No, I don't care. I hate Tumblr. I'm going to spend the last few minutes of my show talking about that. I hate Tumblr. I hate it. (coughs) I'm over there because people say I need to get on Tumblr. It's the same reason I got on fucking Facebook and fucking Twitter. And so I got on fucking Tumblr. And you can't have a conversation. It is like, it is just like the most. Tumblr is the, and this is going to sound amazing for for what I'm about to say. But Tumblr is the single most self-involved form of social media ever. You don't have to interact with anybody. You don't have to have a conversation. You can just reblog their shit and move on. It is just like one big reblogging circle jerk. And I don't like it. I just don't. I just wish that Live Journal hadn't been such an asshole, and um, that that there was a better option than than Tumblr. Thank you, Con. I appreciate that. It is a big circle jerk. 
That's all Tumblr is. Look at it. They even have a little circle for you can so you can jerk off somebody else's blog. You don't have to even have your own content. You don't have to have your own content on Tumblr. You can just reblog everybody else's content a couple times a day, and your your Tumblr is full of shit, and you've said nothing. You said nothing yourself. Exactly. Julie says you could have a thousands of uh, thousands of entries and never write a damn thing. You don't have to actually participate. You just push a button. Click, click, click. There's no interaction. There's no socialness in that social media format. I, I just... Oh. I'm just saying I don't like it. So I'm going to go back to LiveJournal. I have a community on there now for my evil author day. Um, um, I'm going to start putting my stuff on LiveJournal again. And it will it will blog to Tumblr. And that will have to be enough. Because I'm just, I, I just, I hate Tumblr. I just, I don't know how to comment on other people's comments. It's really fucking annoying. The only reason to go to Tumblr is to look at Dicks of Doom on on, on Azure's Tumblr. And that's the only reason I'm going to go over there from now on. I'm going to blog on LiveJournal like I used to. It's just, oh, I'm so fed up with Tumblr. I'm, I'm fed up. Just saying. What? Julia says the only way to communicate on Tumblr is to put a question mark in your post and people can comment on it. Oh. You can't see my face, but I'm making that evil demon baby no face. Uh, no. I'm done. I'm done with Tumblr. That is the final straw. I'm oh. Oh. I just God, my eyebrows twitching. My eyebrow is literally twitching over here in response to that question mark thing. That Fuck you, Tumblr. Not the people on Tumblr because you kind of you bitches are crazy. I mean actual Tumblr. Fuck you, Tumblr. Not the people who tumble. I never should have tumbled. It was a bad idea. I regret it. I regret tumbling. There. I said it. I need to rethink my life choices. Tumbling was a mistake. So, fuck you, Tumblr. Fuck you very much. But the people who tumble, I love you, because I don't want to be vilified on Tumblr. You craziness. Just crazy. Crazy. A little crazy. Fun crazy. Anyways, that's my show. I hope I answered all the questions um, and I made sense and all that jazz. And I'm going to go over and stare at my live journal until I have something to blog about. Because come on, 
Come on. Anyways, you guys have a great evening, and I will see you tomorrow. If you have something you would like me to talk about, go over to Ask Me Anything page on my fucking website and not on Tumblr, and I will be happy to answer your question as long as you're not ridiculous. Or maybe even if you're ridiculous. It just depends on what your ridiculousness is. Have a good night.